What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, my memoir is kind of still very fresh, right? I'm about, what, 28 years old, and yet I feel like I've lived. Uh, by the way, here we go. Hey, Mike, how are you this morning? I'm, I'm doing well. I actually got all this set up today, so I'm happy about that. But yes, today is a conversation about choice, and one that I made se- seven years ago to go out partying after... Well, first of all, the interview I'm about to air at 10 a.m. is so impactful, and I want to ask you this. As an interviewer, don't you ever try and just stay stoic through the interview, and then you just break down and say, wait a minute, I relate to what you're talking about? Yeah, I think. Like, I'm saying, you almost don't want to involve yourself, and then they say something, and you're just like, all right, I'll tell my story kind of thing. Hmm. That's an interesting way to, I guess, draw somebody in. Yeah, and that's in a good of, way. And that's what happened yesterday, which is going to air today. So it's a very impactful conversation with David Marion and Dana David Golden. Marion. And um, we had talked about it for a few minutes last night, and I still don't know how to address it. But I guess if you listen to my Mother's Day podcast, my mom kind of did, right? Well, and I still didn't get through it, but I'm going to because I got sidetracked. Uh, it had something to do with uh, Bill Cosby. Oh, in, researching him or what? No. Were, were you, were you oh, on you're in the part. That... Yeah, yeah, you're at that part. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's a long way to go in that interview. They, but... Well, you have a fascinating background. Well, and that's why I think it was so shocking when I did start to imbibe alcoholic beverages. Let's just be Imbibe? Honest. Yes. What is it with you? Imbibe. Oh, I got to write that down. You've heard that term before, though, haven't you? I, you know, I've heard terms doesn't mean I know what they mean. Mm. Wow. Imbibe. And then it became more of a thing, and it just became a heavier drinking than I wanted it to. And I'm a... I'm not afraid to say that, but I'm also like, how much do I divulge? Because there's so much there to unpack. Well, my one of my concerns when when you uh, contacted me last night was, 
Oh no, he thinks I'm a drunk. No, I do Good. not. But I did okay. we I did kind of crack the code of Radio Hope in that you've aligned yourself with people who have overcome oh. a lot. And you share that hope every yes. day. Yes. And uh actually I just sent a message to a gentleman that another one of these stories where he was homeless, had a serious um, alcohol problem, and now is back on his feet. He's teaching in uh, at a college in Colorado, doing really well, loving life Great. without the alcohol. And that's what it comes down to. Now, I have to ask you, I mean, because I think everybody who is not drinking now may want to have a drink after quarantine is over. So what's your advice to them? I mean, do you still go out and have a drink? No, I, a couple of reasons. Number one, it's too expensive. Number two, there's always the possibility, which would be so bizarre, but I don't want to, I guess I don't want to even open the, the door for that possibility, which for me, it's, I'm too afraid to get behind the wheel of a car after I've had anything to drink. I, it scares me. It scares me. And I'm glad it does. Cause I've done that before. I'm still alive. I could be dead. My date could have been dead. My family could have been dead. Somebody else could have been dead. Mm. So that's a fear that I have. That's a healthy fear. Let's talk about invincibility for a minute, because here was where the, the bottom line is for me Ooh. and maybe for you too. It was just that, Oh, I'm 90 pounds, but I can, I can tolerate it firstly. And then I know, um, I know my limit, which of course never really seemed to come to fruition. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I know me. I know myself. Have you ever read the AA big book? I have not. Even if that's not an issue for you, the, the whole, um, Oh, just our, our personalities are written about a lot by these these two guys that started AA, and everybody fits in one way or another. Well, we never tried that because we, I didn't think it was that deep of an issue, but as I think back, there were numerous episodes. Well, but maybe it wasn't the case. You know, I think you and I are very similar in that area because for me, did I ever get to the point? Well, yeah, there was a while there where I was not functioning well. I mean, when you go to work and you are so hungover, oh, and so it was a problem. I'm not going to downplay that. Mike, I got to tell you the story. Now that you, now that you brought it out of me, congratulations. <laughs> I was, and everybody remembers this, so it's not like I'm saying anything nobody remembers, but people are my college I was doing announcing public address announcing oh wow but I was two innings late because I had this whole thing happen like it was Thursday Thursday the night before anyway Thursday Thursday I used to use that and so what happened was I was like what <laughs> inning is it you know I just was sort of stumbling over it was it was not good but I ended up announcing anyway I mean people knew and this is the funny thing for me is like I've tried not to talk about it but Everybody saw it. I mean, everybody that I knew saw it. And it was like, why am I now not, why am I now, why am I going to hide it? But just talk about the experience learning from it. Why, why are you what? I was going to say, why should I hide it now if everybody else saw it? Why? Oh, 
Well, because we want people to see us in a certain light. We don't want people to see us uh, how we really are, because maybe how we really are is, uh, well, you get the, you get the I syndrome. I, it's about me. It's about, no, you're, I believe what you're doing and what I do is because it may start being about me, but then it's about other people. So maybe they can be freed up to go, oh, wow, Mike's okay now, but this is where he was. And for me, now I say, what about the disabled population? How many of them are addicted to certain things because of the disability, because of certain things? Like That's going to be research I start doing now and start talking about. Well, yeah, maybe you got to... Maybe maybe you're in a terrible relationship, and and I'm, for me, that was one of the reasons that I drank. It's one of the reasons I used to smoke pot all the time. Mm. I now, when you were when you were doing all this, you did obviously find the Lord, or did that did He come later into your life? You know, that is actually a fascinating story, um, and I won't go into detail, but it was a case of. Divorce number two coming up. And of course, everything was her fault, right? Couldn't have been my fault. And I went on and on. I went to golfing with my uncle that night after I had signed divorce papers. Oh, this is a fascinating story. Tell me. Anyway, how do I how do we shorten this up? It was a uh-oh. Uh I I've spotted the enemy, and the enemy is me. I'm the one with the issue. She mm. may have a problem, but I got a bigger problem because I got a problem and I can't see the problem. And all of a sudden God turns the light on and you go, yikes, that's me. Mm. I'm the arrogant, uh, uh, self-righteous. My poop doesn't stink. Okay. I don't have a problem. Thank you for bringing that up because okay. over the last 24 hours thinking of all this, I realize I've been hard on you know the people who are addicted, I think, you know, why are they like this? Why can't they get help and all that? And then I realize, hey, you know what? I've been in that shoe before, you know? A little bit of spiritual thing going on. It's coming up the legs. You're exactly right. It's, it's, uh, um, well, thank God I'm not like that drinker over there. But wait a minute. Uh, Kind of are. Well, was. I'm planning on not being that way anymore. Let's put it that way. Well, no, I was being sarcastic i mean that's a story in the bible where this guy is praying and he's thank god i'm not like that tax collector guy Mm. but that tax collector guy was so broken he couldn't even he couldn't even lift up his eyes and the other guy's going thank you god that i'm not like that person thank you lord that i'm mr humble mr whatever you love to do the church lady but i feel like that was a skit too what you were just saying i feel like there was a skit on us and i like that Oh, there were there very well could be. In fact, you know what? <sighs> and it I, sounds like almost like Dan Aykroyd did something like that. I might be wrong. I don't know. But... You're just taking these. Okay, I've been toying around with doing the the video thing because my wife says you're very animated. I don't know what that means for sure. But you're a you Pixar know, movie. That's what it means. <laughs> anyway, there are ways to tell these 
these uh, Bible stories that can have a really powerful impact. And and uh, I don't know. Well, you know, one of my favorite songs. I'm getting pumped. Speaking of animated, was um, is Once in a Lifetime, where uh, by the Talking Heads, and he's supposed to be this preacher, and he just starts. You know, he has all the motions, the hand motions. I'm making you right again. Yes. This is after I talk to you. Well, after I talk to you, I just end up with lifetime. You, 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 you just bring something out in me. Talking that, heads. It's a great song in the eighties, and he's like a pastor. He's like a brimstone pastor. The way he's talking, it's very yeah. fascinating. Um, but I'm sure you wouldn't want to be the brimstone type. You'd actually just be more like a. We actually, when I was at the radio station back in the nineties. We we did a uh, we did a skit and it was uh, this guy that the the Reverend Hal N Brimstone. Okay, is that a Hal and Brimstone uh, or Brimstone and Fire type thing? Got it. Well, this was uh, yeah, and he he drove a, a black car and he was just full of himself and I still have that actually, mm. and I had the pastor friend of mine. That was uh, that I did this with, and we're talking about consciences, and you know, you got the the, the good angel over here and the bad eight and whatever mm-hmm. over and talking. Anyway, blah blah blah. You drum up so many things. There's just so much there. It's just that's why you're talking about doing what you're doing because it's time. I guess it's time to really start unpacking. Well, as you talk. I sent you a link for that Brianne Brennan. I think you'll find it fascinating. And it's about being vulnerable. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're weak. Well, let me ask you this. How much, because ta- we can talk a lot on our podcast. I mean, we go hours on end sometimes. I know that you go at least one and, hour, one and a half hours sometimes, by the way, which is great. Yeah, I try not to. I, I, I need the discipline to keep it within because this is on another audio stream and well let me ask you then so they won't catch that second part or however long you go if they if you go an hour they won't catch the other part right they won't catch any of it because uh what rob poopy bag scribner will do is he just won't air it at all he'll fill it with something else why so it's important that i keep it tight but as i well that's good because you have to just it's like a syndicated show you got to make it make it fit so yeah for me, luckily, I don't have that problem. I just kind of post it out there, and it'll be on all these outlets. And I do wish someone would pick it up, but maybe the way of having it on every station outlet right now is okay. But to my to the point I was trying to make, though, when we talk, we tend to talk a lot. And so how do we discipline ourselves in even talking about these certain things to not reveal too much at once? Well... <clears throat> sort of censoring yourself in live podcasting. How about that? Well, for instance, I told the story in, in coming up on the 18th. This is the 16th. Coming up on the 18th will be the 41-year anniversary of when I broke stick with the German Shepherd. Now, that is out there, bud. That is out there. And because you are all on the stuff and all that? Or? That... And my brain was just, you know, when people's heads, when your brain snaps, mm-hmm. there's no rational thinking anymore. You just, 
you're just out there. How and did you get to that point? Did you have a German Shepherd? I mean, did you take him to communion with you? My brothers had uh, picked me up in Geneseo, Illinois. Okay. Because I had been kind of on the run. Uh, reminds me of the song, the song um, Oh, Mama, I'm in fear for my life. Yeah, I love Anyways, that song. They, they they picked me up and on the way home, we ended up going in some, I said, hey, take this back road over here and go. And they stopped the car. I said, wait, stop, stop, stop. And I, <laughs> we're at the bottom of a hill um, at, at, at this farmhouse. And there's this German shepherd. <laughs> I said, guys, watch this. Get, I get on all fours. Okay. And I start up the hill and as i'm going this this really happened and as i'm going i find a stick just a stick put it in my mouth and i keep going and this german shepherd quits barking <laughs> this is the craziest story and gets down on all fours and starts inching towards me and i broke the stick and i shared the stick with the german shepherd <laughs> That's a crazy story. Well, now you got to tell the aftermath. You didn't take the German Shepherd home, did you? No, it wasn't my. I wasn't gonna. Uh, I wasn't gonna steal the dog. They definitely have. Um, they're a herding dog too, so I could imagine they followed you. They uh, hurt? Ima, Ima, Don't they hurt? I think. Oh, herd. Yeah. Oh, I, I think they hurt. They hurt. But ooh, um. Ooh. That's amazing. And of course, German Shepherds are kind of known for their tenacity. So it sounds like you kind of tamed them with the stick. Well, uh, it was just in, in, in the fact that it was a shepherd. Mm -hmm. I had this, this very strange spiritual experience going on. Some of it just totally out there and some of it not so out there. It's kind of like it was a spirit. It was definitely a spiritual awakening. Mike, I'm glad you said, you know, um, it was definitely out there. But you had mentioned to me off air last night, I said, how do you make this show uh, work every day? And you say, well, you have to have some truth, a lot of, you have to have truth behind everything you say. And so I think I take gratitude in that, that you're not making any of this up, that this really happened. Definitely not making it up. And the other... Oh, yeah, I was thinking about some other stuff because when I was, I think I might have shared a little of this last night when I when I went, I went out to my first social gathering in months um, at the Elks and I really enjoyed it. But focus. Uh, well, you, you'll hear more about that at 9 a.m. Eastern, I hope. Right. 9 a.m. Eastern. You know. Maybe I will talk a little bit. Well, I I just really appreciate the conversations that we've been having. I mean, when you contacted me last night, it's like, he's pumped about something. I can't just, you know, ignore this this inevitable connection that's got to take place. Mm. And this is why big. I'm glad you mentioned connection. First of all, I'm wearing a sports shirt, ironically, because my first seven years of doing this podcast – I'm still ticked that U.S. Cellular bought Comiskey Field, but that's another for another day. And here I, and I got my U.S. Cellular shirt on. Love it. Um, Bye, no, G. I uh, focus. I gotta focus. <laughs> no, but seven years ago tonight, my final final in college, 
I made a choice wow. to go out and have a drink or like 10. I don't even know how many. But Or like 10 drinks. <laughs> but I, I named this part one because I'll tell you the consequence of it tomorrow. So what I want to know right now from you before we part ways and you prepare for the show. Let's say one of the choices that you remember that you could talk about as like a part one to the story and then the consequence of it we could share tomorrow. Hmm. That's. <clears throat> I don't. I'm not that disciplined yet. Hmm. As far as having a, I think a part one, I'm starting to realize I just need to take a, um, a, a story and make it a chapter in the book. For me to sit down and try to figure all this out, and the one that keeps on coming to mind has to do with a young lady at Augustana College. Okay, I, where is that? I, it's in Illinois. Again, a long story. Would not be a good idea to start now. Okay. Well, I'm uh, eager to hear more about it as the days unfold. This is kind of why I love the continuing conversation because it literally continues into the next day and then the next day. Which is what makes life exciting. I mean, if you're somebody who thinks that you got it all down, you've learned everything you can learn and nobody's going to teach you anything new, why don't you just go ahead and start pounding the nails in? Life is too... Oh, it's just... I just can't wait to get up. I know. I really was jumping out. I was really excited to get out of bed today and talk about this because it's um it's as I keep saying it's kind of time so and there's different you know like with my wife she she's not one of those people that jumps and gets out of bed for me it's like yep six o'clock all right I'll snooze for a minute and then I'm up and going besides that the puppy dog needs to go potty okay and I've got to ask you this while we're on the air together uh how do I still have fun with this while trying to tell a story of reality like how can i still have fun with this while trying to inform and educate because sometimes i feel like if i'm focused on the education i lose what kind of built this which was having fun with life at the same time huh well i guess for me don't it's don't how do they put that don't take yourself too seriously mm. have fun i mean if you can't laugh at yourself you know as the old saying goes you may find yourself just making fun of everybody else instead of being able to look at you and go, did I really do that? Did I really talk to a toilet and say, oh, you really, you really looked flushed. <laughs> did you do that? Yes. Uh, wait a minute. When I was out of my mind, which reminds me of a song, Out of My Mind. Well, I was actually yeah. going to play to transition to my next segment because – We've got 420,000 renegades leaving New York because of COVID-19. What? You'll hear this story next, um, Mike. It is a lot of them were actually rich people, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so thank you for inspiring me to play Sticks today. I love that band, by the way. Fantastic. I, music. <clears throat> oh, and I want to thank you, too. This is as a side note to uh, I don't know how long it takes to kind of sort of build some folks listening, but. Thanks for helping me get on iTunes. Well, and I'm glad you did that. But more importantly, thank you for opening my eyes, I think, every day. So 
We're connecting. Aww. We're just doing this. Oh, are we connecting? Oh. Reminds me of a book. Johan Hari. Uh, another name I got to look up. See, we're throwing back ideas. And like, it's just ideas maybe people can benefit from, but we're just having a conversation and whoever listening is listening, right? So Exactly. Yep. That's what and sometimes about. people, you know, I, uh, it, see, it just led to another story of something that happened at 1.30 in the morning when I was having trouble sleeping and I eavesdropped on a conversation of two young ladies on a speaker podcast. That's another chapter. Oh boy. Mike, I think it's time we, we, we get you to prep for the show today at nine. I know that you're eager to do that. So thanks for joining me today. Jennifer Marlowe. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) And we will, uh, I love your brother. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, can't wait to listen to your show. And I'll finish up with your mom and your conversation. Great and, and conversation. The by the way. Let's let's clear that up. So Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later, Michael. All right. Be well. Bye. All right. We'll be right back here on Keeping It Real with Alex Garrett. Garrett Extra. Oh mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my home. Oh mama, I can hear you crying, you're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. very relevant today because of of what I've been sort of talking about here on Keeping Real with Alex Garrett. By the way, Ed Delgado, thanks for joining in and uh, listening into this. It's um, it's true. I am inspired now to share why I'm still here. How, and I'm doing this also to say thank you to those who have been with me. And literally, you know, I, you think family and all the devotion and love the first 77 days is one thing. But then when you think about how many times in your adult life, in your college life, that they've, you've had support, love, devotion, uh, 
to get you through struggle. That is amazing. That is amazing to me to think about uh, even more so today. Uh, I'm still here, and now I'm starting to figure out the reason why, and you'll hear more of that reason at about 10 a.m. Eastern. Actually, after 10, you can check back here for my interview with Dave and Mary and, and Dana Golan. It is um, it's a break-the-fourth-wall kind of moment where I, I like to sort of have a stoic interviewee. I'm not going to insert myself into this, but when, when they got talking, I sort of just opened up a little bit, and you will, you do not want to miss that, trust me. You also want to miss Radio Hope at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, where he's going to you know have a Saturday show, so we'll have to see how that goes. Now, something that is fascinating that I woke up to this morning, 420,000, yeah, that's right, 420,000 New Yorkers have fled the city alone. As Upper East Side and West Village populations are down by 40%. That that is the 420,000 by the way is 5% of the city's population have left this city between March 1st and May 1st. And I tell you what if the high taxes that we've had here prior to COVID didn't do it, this has done a number. Because I don't know um, who's coming back and who's not coming back. I, I mean, we already saw a mass exodus from this city, right? We already saw this right out the wall. Now there's real, real evidence of this. There's real um, data. The Daily Mail has combined all these different outlets from the Times to the City, which I've had Jose Martinez on to talk about the subway part of this. But here's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. In a city like New York, Manhattan's overall population has fallen by, get this, 20%. 20%? Of Manhattan is gone. This is my city. This is our city. This is Manhattan. This is history, a historic island. Honestly, one of the most historic islands in America in, in the world. Seeing a dip. And I don't believe COVID. I'm not trying to be funny here, but COVID kind of is like the um the um Respiratory disease, right? Unfortunately, if it gets a hold of you, it wipes you out. Well, COVID took the high-taxed city and the policies that we were seeing and wiped it out by 20% through death and through people moving out. This is disaster. And I don't want to feel doom and gloom, but I hope we can get this 20% back. I hope we really can. And, I, and I've and i been saying, governors want to have control of their state. Like, they literally want to have say in whether they can reopen or not. And so do mayors, by the way. So here's my question. 
If they want the right to tell us, hey, you have to do this, don't they first have a right to tell us, we're going to make sure you are financially secure in this city? They don't really tell us that. They say, no, we're going to have to tax you more. We're going to have to raise income tax. We're going to have to raise taxes. We're going to have to tax your vacant um, spaces. If you're out of, if you lose a job here in the, if you lose a storefront here in New York, you're not out of the woods yet. You're going to get taxed for vacant storefronts too. It's a true story. Very true story. And so, oh, that's that's a great picture of this uh, nurse uh, person walking a dog in the middle of Manhattan on, uh, looks like, what is that, uptown, so it looks like that's probably maybe Flexington, Fifth Avenue, no, maybe Lexington, Upper East Side. But if they ever wanted to knock us out, they've done it. They have, and they've also done this, and I will say it by mismanaging the nursing home issues. But we cannot, and we should not let this be the knockout punch. We're too good. We are too resilient of a city to let this be our knockout punch. Because if we just say, all right, well, 420,000 people are gone, that's it. <laughs> then we've given up. We have to somehow say, hey, guys, we want you back. Here's what the New York Times found, that residents from neighborhoods where the median income is $90,000 or less stayed in their homes between March 1st and March 15th. of the top 10 percentile fled and about 25% of the top 5th percentile did the same. 35% escaped to summer homes in Long Island, upstate New York, or others. The top 1% of New York City earns $2.2 million per year and the top 5 average income is about $480,000 according to CNBC. So all these small-town populations in the Hamptons and elsewhere uh, doubled as the Big Apple residents fled to their summer homes. So in a way, thank God they didn't leave New York State. I don't know the data on those leaving the state itself. But if um, if they're going to really want to reopen and to really want to have a grand return to life, they need to, they must do something to say, hey, uh, and by the way, here, here's what happened. Looks like Martha's Vineyard had 29 people. I don't know. It's it's all uh, different data on these uh, f- f- quote-unquote refugees that fled to small East Coast towns. And by the way, remember I was talking about how Rhode Island was trying to hunt us down, like hunt New Yorkers, go into homes and see if they're there? They couldn't even manage their own nursing homes in Rhode Island. So, you know, Rhode Islanders, 
think about your own state first before you try and figure out why we're leaving the epicenter of the of the country with this. And here in my beautiful borough of Queens, yes, my beautiful borough of Queens, uh, they had thrown up a stat about that about us actually. Because we uh, we obviously were one of the hardest hit boroughs in the city. And we're also one of the most resilient boroughs in the city. What they said was, you know, uh, Queens had seen an increase in trash, which means people were staying in. And overall, Descartes Labs out of New Mexico saying that New York City's total population decreased by 5.2%. We've got to get these people back. We can't just reopen and then say, oh, hey, guys, we're still going to tax you. And not only voting habits, Ed, the, the, uh, Ed Delgado here. Saying the problem with people wanting to escape their inner cities, hell is issues, especially after COVID nineteen, is the so voting habits sure. But I'm also saying, uh, I'm also saying they bring cases with them. They bring the physical illness possibly with them. That's another issue in and of itself. I mean, you start fleeing, you never know where this thing is, and that's why they actually said if you leave New York City, you have to quarantine for fourteen days. Deborah Burks did say that. But Mayor de Blasio, Governor Cuomo, it's time. You want the right to tell us what to do, and you want the right from this government to not. You want to sort of colonize against this federal government and tell us what to do. Okay, then treat us better. Lower our taxes. Do something less progressive that will keep people, that will inspire people. To come back once again. A reopening is great. We could talk about a grand reopening. We can talk about beaches in New York State reopening by Memorial Day. And then the Tri-State. That's all good. But the numbers. If data is showing we can open up. Great. Then look at the data of how this has cost us as well. In human, in human economy. Both those dying of COVID. And again, I'm so, so very glad that Scott Stringer has opened up a probe against de Blasio with this whole COVID thing. We'll have to see what the NYC comptroller says. But this is, um, this is not a joke. This is no joking around here. We've just lost 18.6% of Manhattan. We cannot let COVID be the knockout punch, can we? We cannot just say, hey, let's open and reopen and not bring incentive for people to come back. We have to bring incentive. And when I hear Ned Lamont, the governor of Connecticut, say, oh, there may not be ever travel to New York City again. Are you kidding me? The Metro North is a is a vessel. It's a it's a tool. People needed people have jobs in New York. 
Governor Ned Lamont. What are you talking about? And actually, he was doing pretty good. He actually was faring pretty well on this whole thing. He got along with Trump. He did this. But then he says, oh, um, they throw up a headline. New York City may not have Connecticut. Uh, you know, uh, Governor Ned Lamont says travel to New York City may be done. Cannot be done. It's impossible to be done. How would they do that? How would they really do that? So Governor Cuomo, New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio, look at these stats. And tell me, tell me, you have a better than just reopening, woohoo, kind of return. Tell me you've actually got a plan to bring these people back. To reopen, we have to have the ha- we have to have the whole gang here, including the four hundred twenty thousand residents back. And the only way you're going to do that is incentivizing them to come back. Just like the NFL is proposing to incentivize hiring minorities as coaches for a draft pick. Higher draft slot. Did you hear about this? Oh, he didn't? Great. And maybe he did because it was kind of a big deal. Uh, But yes, uh, Charlie, my friend Charlie... Knock me off my foot when I had read this. And this would be the headline from ESPN. NFL plans boosts, NFL plan boost picks for minority hires. So if you hire someone, not because of qualifications, but because of diversity, this could be approved on Tuesday. We we shouldn't let that happen. And uh, and here's the, here it is under the proposal aimed at fixing diversity problems league wide. A team could improve its third round draft selection. Okay, that's not that's not terrible. Third round. I thought they were going to do like a first round. Oh, here's your first pick. No, no, no. Now, the premise of it, though, to go up 10 spots as a reward for hiring a minority candidate. Truthfully, I don't know how the other rounds are are dealt with after the first. But any time you see fairness as a reward, instead of qualifications, instead of earning a spot, 10 spots up, play better, I don't know. It just, it rattles my brain, because here was the thing. The day before, we had seen, you know, Armando Galarraga won his perfect game back. Well, then you might as well just rewrite the rest of baseball history at that point. The safe call was made, and that should stand. Just like whoever has the draft picks in the order should stay in that order. To affect the way someone drafts for diversity, for hiring minority coaches as a general manager or 
an equivalent level position, and then six spots for hiring a minority head coach in the third round is too much. People should be hired because they're great. Mike Tomlin, I mean, he's minority coach. He's won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. I don't know who put this proposal in. And it's kind of fitting as I'm finally wearing my Giants shirt. I actually dug this out. Giants. I actually dug this out to, to where I've been playing Madden NFL on the app. Anyway. And then they say, if a team successfully enters the third year, this gets into the weeds, third year on the job, you can get a, a move up four, five spots in the fourth round of this draft. So, they're not only rewarding people to, and this, this plan would need 24 of 32 votes in order to pass. Submitted by the Diversities Committee. On the bright side, because I think this might actually pass, at least it's not the first round affecting it. But, oh, and NFL clubs can start reopening facilities next week. Could have some sports back. We have NASCAR tomorrow. And Goodell is in favor of the proposal. Of course he is, because as I said to my friend Charlie, he wants to just get his jet plane and $70,000 and call it a day, right? Who needs to be a commissioner when you can get a lot of money and just let the draft get chosen by diversity and, and ruled by this idea? Whatever happened to hiring on qualifications? Whatever happened happened to just keeping the draft the way it was. There might be uproar. Because you know what? At the same time, the last pick of the draft, any of these guys, to be honest, any of these guys, when they get drafted, could be the difference maker. So you're going to tell a team, you know what? You didn't hire a minority. That team did. They're going to do 10 spots up. And if that guy becomes a success, the plan's working. No, because by stats, by data, somehow data is only useful and, you know, records are only useful when it benefits a cause. When someone's ranking in a draft is determined by stats, that doesn't matter now because you have to have diversity and have to have making sure people are hired. The only way someone keeps a job for more than two years is if they do something good. Not because of the color of their skin. And if we're going to say, oh, you know what, this guy went 0-16, but we want that 10th pick in the third round. We're going to keep him aboard. Is that how really NFL is going to start working now? I don't think so. And I really, really 
I'm a little ticked at this, thinking about it more. Because you're going to tell someone, if you keep someone of a minority for three years or more, you can go up, like, what, ten spots in the third round. That third round draft pick could be a difference maker. And then the other part is, if they keep the job for two, three years, well, doesn't that rely on performance? I mean, I always like to say the, uh, the, the what the GM was, or was he coach? Steve Mariucci. He went 0-16 with the Lions. What is he supposed to do? Stay there? Sometimes changes can be made. I mean, Jerry Reese was fired by the Giants because he didn't perform at the end, of, you know, because time was running out. Because Coughlin had lost the locker room. Because Reese had kind of lost his pizzazz that helped him get um, the titles. I mean, Ernie, of course, he won the first Super Bowl. But Jerry Reese certainly had Reese's pieces during his time to put together for the 2012 run against the Patriots. Now it's just... Oh, well, this guy, we're going to keep another year because we really want that 10th pick, uh, that spot in the draft. We want to move up 10 spots in the draft. The team went like 8-25 and 25 or whatever. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't do a good job. I'm just saying what happens if they don't do a good job as GM or coach? then this diversity plan is kind of forcing teams to make a decision. Hey, if we want 10 more spots, do we just keep them on board to see what happens again? We'll see if it passes, but I was just very, very... It was almost like Billy Mays, but wait, there's more. Because... Uh... The Galarraga perfect game story came up. Uh, and I had mentioned, by the way, June 10th. I was wrong about that. It was June 2nd, 2010, that he had lost his perfect game. Armando Galarraga for the Tigers. June 2nd, 2010. And the guy made a book off of that. So, if he made money off of this, why would rewriting history uh, be beneficial to him? It would flood the request line for Rob Manford to change things up. Manford, by the way, saying that he believes, he believes and has great confidence that a deal could be made. So we'll have to see. All right, this was fun. I was glad to be in my sports wheelhouse here for a minute. Rant on that. House, by the way, slipping in remote voting and proxy voting by proxy for the House representatives for the first time ever. Now, McConnell's Senate may not approve this. I don't think they do, because remote voting is is still a foreign idea. Because literally anybody was, I don't know how they would check whether they're registered to vote or not, right? 
We'll see if McConnell passes it. We'll see how that goes. But uh, to give you the full scoop on that really quickly. They slipped. They literally did this package. $3 trillion coronavirus aid package. Which includes allowing lawmakers to work from afar and fundamentally change Congress operate uh, the way Congress operates. Now, hasn't we haven't we heard fundamentally change before Ed Delgado? Biden actually just used it a couple of days ago. President Obama used it in his campaign. So it's kind of interesting how the Times is also using that that phrasing. We've gone through, okay, okay, this is interesting how Nicholas Fondos of the New York Times points this out. We went through the yellow fever of 1793, the Spanish influenza of 1918, the September 11th, 2001 terror attacks. And none of that ever untethered Congress from its mandate to come together physically. But for 231 years, since the founding since the founding members, the founding fathers, laid out their rules in 1789 to cast a vote or fully be present in a hearing, lawmakers were required to be present. Congress means people come together. Well, now this Congress says no. 217 to 189. And maybe in the coronavirus era, this is okay for the moment. But this should not be a long-standing thin thing. And now they're going to vote remotely. I mean, look, who's going to touch the cell phone of these people to vote? This is what our this is what our tax dollars are going to. And I know I got off message of my own struggle, but this is also why I realized I started this years ago. Because we, we need to figure out how our tax dollars are being spent. And this is a way it's doing so. Oh, boy. Uh, British Parliament has also uh, said, has also made different um, changes to their way of being. They say, oh, we're only simply trying to find a way for the House to perform its basic functions. Pelosi says, it is in keeping with the vitality of the House that we are doing this, not in opposition to the traditions of the House. I just feel like everything this moving forward progressive is doing is opposing the traditions of the House. That's what they were elected to do. That's what AOC has been elected to do. And it's important we know this. Now, I'm trying to figure out if the remote voting is just for Congress only or is it a thing for for um for the uh 
for just the house. Maybe just the house that has the remote voting right now. But I think they're going to try and do something to actually approve remote voting for we the people. We'll have to see how that plays out. Hey, uh, Radio Hope 9 a.m. Eastern right now. Go there. We'll talk to you soon. Mary, David Marion and uh, Dana L. Golden up after 10 a.m. Eastern. Come back and check it out. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.